we have pretty much every choice, every option available to us. But unfortunately, it just seems like freedom isn't free until it's taken away. My question to you is, have you ever, have you ever felt as if you lost control of a situation? Have you, as a person, as an individual, ever feel like you lost your freedom? I know that, you know, uh, the, the, the easy one up there, right, is incarceration, right? Because, uh, I mean, your, your life just changes from, from in the blink of an eye. You, you go from making every choice that you want and what time you're going to get up and what time you're going to go to sleep and when you're going to use the bathroom and when are you going to eat and what are you going to do and where are you going to go and all of a sudden, just in the blink of an eye like that, you're being told when to go to the bathroom, when to eat, when to get up, when to sleep. Freedom. But you don't have to, you don't have to go through an incarceration to lose your freedom. Some of us sometimes get locked up into relationships. And all of a sudden, we're in a relationship that we thought was going to be great and we thought was going to be good. But all of a sudden, the restrictions come and, and, and the tying down comes and the differences happen. Isn't it funny how a relationship can sometimes make you feel bound? I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm driving... I'm sitting in traffic. I got somewhere to go. How many people know that I, like, I'm always got somewhere to go? <laughs> I'm always moving. I'm always driving. I always got somewhere to go. And when I hit traffic, it drives me crazy because I, I want to move. I want to get somewhere. I want to do something. And I can't, I can't do it. And I get frustrated. The restriction. It's almost like claustrophobia. A lot of people could get caught up in a career, a dead-end job. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I've had a couple of those in my 20, 30-plus years of, you know, working. You know, being in a job and, and just day in and day out, the monotony and the routine and the paperwork. And, you know, you're working the clock and you're waiting for things to come through. But the fact of the matter is that you're not happy. And it seems that even... even your job can put restrictions upon you. Here's one we don't think about it because it's not an external source, but there are internal sources, things that imprison us, put shackles around us, hold us back. One of those, for me, anger. I know I'm always so joyful and jovial, right? Like, can't see Pastor Rob angry. <laughs> Lord's still working on me. <laughs> and, and, and I thank God um, I'm not where I'd like to be. But man, thank you, Lord Jesus, I'm not where I used to be. He's taught me patience and perseverance and long-suffering and, and, and self-discipline and self-control so that when things are done and when they're legitimately wrong, that I have an opportunity to hold my tongue and, and present Christ rather than present Rob. God, thank you. 
and it's my prayer that he continues to do that because at any given Sunday, either one of us, we could stumble and we can fall. Depending on where our emotional state is, where our psychological state is. But these things come and imprison us. Now these are pretty obvious forms of restraints, of restrictions, right? Incarceration, relationships, traffic, career, anger, pride. Some of these things that put limitations on us. But what if, what if, just, just out of, you know, curiosity, just throwing it out there. What if we could be in bondage right now and not even know it? Like be completely ignorant to it. Not even realize that we're in bondage. It's almost a, a way of life. It's who we are. It's how we're built. But what if? What if we can be manipulated and completely ignorant about it? Kind of like The Matrix. Anybody watch The Matrix, the movie The Matrix? You guys ever see that Matrix? No? Okay. It's a movie, and the concept was that there's a reality that's out there, but, but, but what they did was they, they, they almost kind of like um, put human beings... In, in this state of mind, state of being, they put, they coded it. And so they're living in their mind, right? They're experiencing in their head everything that is being programmed to them. But the reality is that they're actually asleep, subconscious, and they're being used for their energy source. How many of us kind of walk around every day almost like a zombie? We just... Going in, day in and day out, having the, having the, 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 the everyday hustle and bustle of, of our routines and not realize that there are things that got a hold of us that are incarcerating us. The question is, just like it was in the movie in The Matrix, people were given an option, blue pill or a red pill. If you take the blue pill, you could stay in your ignorance's bliss. Keep having your experiences as it's being programmed into your mind. And you're not none the wiser. Or, and here's the challenge to you, church. Take the red pill. The truth. Regardless of how difficult it is on the other side of it, regardless of how much you're going to have to endure, regardless of what that situation may appear to be, do you want to know the truth? Do you want to know the truth? And so that's the challenge for us this morning. Because there are things that I kind of call them the subtle sins. The subtle sins that can creep up on us. The subtle sins that appear and hold us back and, and weigh down on our conscience and, and, and weigh us down spiritually, emotionally and restrict us from operating as God would have us to. Subtle sins sinned and didn't even realize he was sinning. Samson. Samson. You remember Samson in the Old Testament, the book of Judges? 
That's who we're going to be talking about tonight. Samson had subtle sins, sins that he actually thought rocked. Like he thought that these sins rocked. Like they were good for, they, they allowed him to do things. They, he, he moved in a certain way that marched to the beat of his own drum. Although Samson was consecrated from even before birth. If you would open up your Bibles or your electronic devices, your phones, version Bible. You know you got all that stuff there, fancy gadgets. Judges chapter 13 verses 4 and 5. Judges 13, 4 and 5. Look at what the Bible says. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink, receive and bear a son, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. From the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, although he was consecrated and set apart, even before he was born, Samson grew up to be a man that had very little integrity. He had very little integrity. Now, his purpose that God spoke and designed and called them into. God knew that he shall be a deliverer. And still, and still, the subtle sins rocked him. Chapter 14, verse 6, he speaks about killing a lion. I mean, Samson went out, and you know what it is for a man to go out and take a lion, a roaring lion. I mean, the king of the jungle, for crying it out loud. Put your hand upon the king of the jungle and tear it apart. That's what the Bible says. That Samson came and tore that lion apart. Now, if I'm in a situation that I got to get physical, I want to be able to get physical in such a way that there's no contest, right? Because I don't know, there's something about a man that could just... You know, it makes a man feel like a man. What? He went out and took a lion, put his hands on his lion, and tore him apart. Man, how do you think that made Samson feel? Huh? Samson must have been, yo, I rock. I rocked that lion. I rocked it. Just tore it apart with my own hands. But yet, as a Nazarite, he's not supposed to touch anything. He murdered you know how, you, now you could turn around, but it's a lion, the king of the jungle, that's self-defense. Well, yeah, motives are everything when it comes to God. And here's where you know that Samson's motive was off. You know, the subtle sins. The subtle sins. He chose not to go home and not to tell mom and dad. The Bible says that he did not tell mom and dad now if there's something to hide normally that means in the heart that there's got to be some sort of deceit you got to know that you did something wrong because you're trying to purposefully conceal it but then he takes it a step further in verses eight and nine he went to the carcass of the lion rather than knowing you just killed the lion, there's a carcass, it's dead. You're not supposed to have it come near it. You're not supposed to be anywhere, you know, around its vicinity, right? You got to stay away from it. You're consecrated, set apart. You're a Nazarene. 
unto the Lord. And rather than looking at something and realizing that it's there and turning away, the Bible says, remember, what do we covet? We covet the things that we see. And so he saw the carcass and he went over and saw the swarm of bees around it. And, and so the bees had made this honeycomb inside the, inside the carcass. And so what does Samson do? He sticks his hands inside of it and pulls out some honey and starts eating it. Savage. You know, I mean, come on, this guy's like, you know, a man's man. I mean, he's coming out of like, you know, the world's most dangerous catch. He went into the carcass of a lion that he killed with his bare hands, took honey from the honeycomb from the swarm of bees and started to eat it. And not only did he eat it, which of course is an unclean thing, it's unclean. He goes home and he gives some to mom and dad so that mom and dad could eat. Here's what Luke says. Jesus, Jesus speaking in the gospel according to Luke chapter 17. There will always be something that causes people to sin. Always going to be something that's going to cause people to sin. But it's terrible if you make it happen. If because of you, a little one does wrong, it would be better for you to drown in the sea with a big stone tied around your neck. That's for us causing somebody else to stumble. And here Samson caused mom and dad to stumble because he didn't tell them that this came from a dead animal. They're not supposed to have, it's an unclean thing. But Samson had these subtle sins that he marched to the tomb of his own drum. Verse 15, uh, 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 14, 18, right? Um, here. <laughs> so, so Delilah is, is, is afraid, and now he's, he's marrying this, this Philistine girl, and, and so now she's, she's afraid and uncertain, and, and she's trying to find out, what's the source? What's your power? Where, where is all of this coming from? And, and so she finally goes and tells her people, because she was under, she was under pressure. And we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you and your family if you don't tell us. We are your countrymen. We are your people. Tell us. Tell us what is the source of his strength. And so Delilah did and told him. And he said, if you had not plowed with my heifer, I love the way, I mean, if I ever called my wife a heifer, how do you think that would go for me? Not very good, right? So Samson turns around and tells him, if, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Riddle me this. He posed a riddle for them. And, he found, and they found the answer because they, they got it out of Delilah. And he realized that it was because they got it out of his wife that they were able to solve his riddle. Now, a man under contract, I mean, you and I, we have an agreement. And if I tell you that my word is my word, and if you solve this riddle, if you solved it, whichever way you solved it, what's, I am under a contractual obligation, right? I'm a man of my word. What did Samson choose to do? The real Firefox came, 15-4. Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and he took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail, and put a torch between each pair of tails. When he had set the torches on fire, he set the foxes go in the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and olive groves. He burned everything down. 
not 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 very um not stand upish, is it? He broke his contract, broke his word, and rather than making good on it, he he set things on fire. And he said, it's kind of like the eye for the eye vengeance, right? Fifteen eleven. Then and as they did to me, he said, so I have done to them. Self-righteousness. Another subtle sin that seems to creep up. Thirst leads to ungratefulness and unjust anger in verse 18. In verse 4, Delilah, Delilah's subtle deception, not once, not twice, but three times deceiving her husband. And Samson, who was a rock, is the one that got rocked. Verse Chapter 16, verse 20 and 21. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But, look at your neighbor and tell him, but, but, this is a dangerous but. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. He became a grinder in the prison. See, his enslavement did not start at his captivity. It wasn't when he became a grinder in the prison that they gauged his, uh, 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 his eyes out and blinded him. No, his imprisonment started when he allowed the subtle sins to enter into his life and let them be unaddressed. Didn't confront them, lived his life like he had no care in the world. Tell your neighbor, subtle sin rocks. Subtle sin rocks. See, all of this time... He thought that he was rocking, like he was the man, that he was doing what he wanted to do. But what do you do when the thing that you think rocks is the very thing that comes back and rocks you? Imprisons you, enslaves you, takes you deeper and deeper into that pit. See, Jesus characterized some of those subtle sins that will certainly rock you in life. Subtle, making use of clever and indirect methods to achieve something. And it's difficult to analyze or to describe. Here, here are some of the things that Jesus spoke about in, 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 his, in his word. I'm pulling out of Matthew chapter 5. I'm, I'm going to be moving around. But, but murder to Jesus wasn't just the taking of life. But in 521, he said, Surely I say unto you, if you have hatred for a man... In your heart, you've already committed murder. What about, what about adultery? If you just look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, if you play that fantasy in your mind, you've already committed the act of adultery. You didn't even physically touch her. A vengeful attitude, 538. Self-righteousness and hypocrisy, Matthew 6, 1 and 5. Un forgiveness so subtle you don't even know 
It's not until you come across somebody that you haven't seen in a long time that may have wronged you, and all of a sudden you feel, and, oh, man, I still got some resentment against this person. I'm still carrying some feelings, some animosity.